this week's show, we bring you an update episode. We're going back way back into our archives, and I meet and talk once again to Eddie Trahan. When I spoke to Eddie, he was the director of treasure at Belmont Green. His career's moved on since then. You'll be able to see that and hear that. If you click to him on LinkedIn, he's a great guy. We have a really nice catch up. We last spoke in January 2019, and a few things have happened. He's moved out of London, lots of different changes as well, different role, new company, and things are looking very bright for Eddie. Uh, I'll let the episode speak for itself and hope you enjoy it. If you've heard it before, you can jump all the way through about 32 minutes in, and then it, that's the new episode. But enjoy today's episode with Eddie Trehan. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Eddie Trehan, Director of Treasury at Belmont Green Finance. Based in Staines, in just outside London in Surrey, Belmont Green Finance are a team of expor- experienced mortgage professionals who created the home loans, residential buy-to-let mortgage lender, which now distributed over a billion pounds of product exclusively via their intermediaries. Eddie's recently come on board to redesign and implement a bank-grade uh, compliant treasury function as Belmont Green looked to diversify their funding and bring, bring in increased risk management. But just a quick overview for Eddie's background. He's got over 13 years of treasury experience from trading through implementation of bank processes and controls, initially starting back in the day at Alliance and Leicester, which we'll go through. Back in those days, the uh, good times of banking, but then through the financial crisis and um, some challenging times. Um, before, you know, we do that, and then Eddie moved on, Charter Financial Services, Lendvest, but, you know, that's enough of all that. Let's get Eddie to give you some more of the details. So, Eddie, as a regular listener to the show, you know a little bit more, which is great. Um, why don't you take us through your story from uh, the dim, distant past? Over to you. Thanks. Uh, so I originally fell into treasury, like most people who I speak to. Um, so I joined the Alliance Semester Graduate Schemes through marketing. Quite quickly got fed up with making all the posters that go through your door. So I wanted to do a presentation on another area of the business, the rest of the graduates. I chose treasury. I chose the treasury purely because I thought there would be a safe full of gold bars. Uh, and it so happened that there wasn't. But I never really left. Uh, right. I stayed and uh, did a bit of a rotation program. And then and then you sort of progressed through that role. And how long were you there at Alliance and Leicester? I was at Alliance and Leicester for three years. Uh, like you said, through the good times to start with, where raising capital, raising liquidity was a piece of cake. Um, I worked across capital markets, money markets, derivatives, asset purchasing, foreign exchange. A range of a range of products, all within the very loose regulatory system at the time. What we then found quite quickly as the, the financial crisis hit was that our liability base started to disappear. So we had to think on our feet, think quickly. Um, and yeah, I was lucky; I was one of the younger members of the team that didn't have as much riding on it. So I could actually sit back whilst the, everyone else is going through the process and is absolutely stressed that they may lose their houses. We were keeping nine and a half thousand people there a job. Wow. Um, we, um, yeah, essentially I could learn so much and that, that phase of that three years of my career has actually sort of completely underpinned everything that I've ever done since. And when you say underpinned, what is just giving you the broad breadth of experience to rely on or? 
broad depth of experience and actual my approach to risk management. Uh, so back then, it's back in those days, treasury functions, especially in financial services firms, were seen as profit centers and they have to be a profit center. What quite quickly evolved through that was that they, yeah, that were patient profit, they wouldn't make a profit, but what you were there to do was manage the, the wider risk, financial risk within, it, within the business. Um, and that stuck with me ever since. Um, all through the, the rapid change in regulatory uh, environment, through the smaller institutions where I've been brought in to, to implement that. In some instances, in, in the first instance at Weatherby's Bank, there was nothing there that wasn't a treasury. It was a old and still is a very strong private bank. Um, but having been the only person that was brought in with any treasury experience, had to drive through a lot of that change, regulatory change, implement the reporting that was required, um, and you know just prepare different reports for the, the executive team and ultimately the, the board. And then you, you know, you you were up outside of London. You, you, the bright lights of London sort of beckoned. You were drawn down, or what happened? Uh, well, fortunately, yeah, uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of bank uh, treasury um, opportunities around the Midlands. Uh, I'd pretty much exhausted it going through a large semester in their Weatherby's um, in my local vicinity. Um, and the, the, yeah, the opportunity came up that when they did come up to to head up a treasury function, which I thought I was ready for at that point, uh, we're all based in London. So you joined uh, Ghana International and then a few different moves within, you know, a relatively short period, but you know, a couple of different moves. Do you want to just talk us through those? Yeah, so I, I did set off to um, to move very, yep. very quickly between jobs. Um, I took the head of the Treasury World at Ghana International Bank. It's a fascinating institution. It's a, an offshore bank for the, the Ghana banking sector. Uh, it's owned partly by the Ghana Central Bank, but actually learning a lot about different products again. So, learning about trade finance. Um, really short term commodity deals and yeah, another wide range, you know, it's been a sort of story of my career is that I've always been open to taking on different products and never wanted to get stuck just looking at the same thing day in, day out. Yeah. And, um, and then from there, you know, it's putting motion on the, the, the regulatory change again is for, for Ghana. And then uh, I got head hunted into a, a bank called B Bank, AG Zurich. They were having some issues um, and were, they just needed people to modernize what was going on in that institution. So I worked very closely with the CFO um, and also the sort of group, the Swiss company, the group uh, risk function, just to bring the, the treasury out of sort of the 1990s and uprights up to date. Um, didn't involve any system implementation there, but it did involve going back through, checking, almost doing auditing, uh, liaison with clients again, which is something that I hadn't done for a while, doing foreign exchange deals with clients. And it, I really enjoyed that role. Um, but uh, CFO left the Bank of England, pinched him. Right. And the, the, the change became a lot harder. The, there was yeah, a lack of communication that we suffered from. Um, which is one of the, the things that I've always now I've taken on board is you need that line of communication as the treasurer up into the CFO and also uh, the CEO because there are you know there's certain times where there's risks and I mean activities that need to be undertaken that you need sponsorship on both and uh, you yeah. can't just do it the CFO's back here 
Um, that's not to say you just go around them every single time, but there is points where you need both in a room. Yeah, you need a good good line of communication when you're talking, getting stuff done and things. That's exactly it. Yeah, if you, if you don't, if you're not open and honest, and it's one thing that I've taken through my entire career, and I think it probably stems from working in a dealing room to start with, that we were quite open to shout and ball and they reconcile with a hug and this a high five. <laughs> Doing and making good and bad decisions. Um, but what we always had was no air, no underlying or undertones of negative. At the end of the day, everything was cleared, everything was aired and everything. Yeah. We came in the next day and worked through it again. Yeah. Um, and that open and honest communication is, is paramount within treasury. And then you made the move to charter court to talk, talk through, you know, obviously international audience to listen to this as well. So. They might not know some of these, some of the banks they might understand, but then Charter Court and then Invest, you know, give us a quick run through of those roles. Yeah. You sort of shopped yeah. in. Charter Court Financial Services was uh, an opportunity that I, I didn't think I'd ever get again. Um, so they were, I was approached as they were applying for a banking license and they needed a, an experienced uh, treasurer who understood the regulation, liquidity, market risk, everything else that goes with um, uh, the bank treasury sector. Yeah, I've been a year with them uh, initially when we were in the desire to build our phase. Um, we submitted our application and we we're implementing treasury systems. We were implementing uh, new risk management policies. We were implementing, yeah, implementing new payment methods, new payment systems, driving through an enormous amount of change. Um, it was a brilliant team um, yeah. effort um, and just a you know, people were again, all pulling in the same direction and, you know, we took it from a, a balance sheet to about a hundred million uh, pounds when I joined to, to when I left, um, September 17, we had a balance sheet of about 6 billion, billion. You talk about the team there, the trade, how was the team structured when you started or what did, you know, what are you like as a. You know, that's a key thing a lot of people listen to is you want to know what you're like as a boss and how you create your treasury team around you. So what was it like when you first walked in, in sort of Jan 4, 2014? It, there was no treasury team. When I right. walked in, there was a lady that submitted paperwork uh, for the backers to give us the links for the mortgages. Um, by the time I left, we had a treasury team that stretched across at front office execution, middle office, uh, treasury operations, LM, um, and prudential risk, uh, the sort of second line of defense, not all reported into me, um, obviously, but we had a team of close on 25 people. Yeah. Um, so, but my, so I was responsible there for the front office and the LM, which is the liability management. And overall, I had six people that reported into me. Um, and I always go for the premise that I want the best people. I, I try not to scrape and save pounds by thinking to all make do. I want people that I know I can trust that when it all goes wrong, they're going to be there for you. They're going to back you up. They're going to understand the concepts that are coming out of the stick and fast. Yeah. Hiring, uh, Just, higher, do you mean hiring a higher level perhaps than you might? So instead of recruiting a senior treasury analyst, you might recruit a treasury manager or instead of an assistant, you might recruit a deputy treasurer sort of thing. That's it. I, what I always find is that 
actually the long term, the better the people you get in, the less people you need. Right. Nice. I, I, I don't abide by the rules that you just have people and they just sit and they just program on spreadsheets and they become a robot. Yeah. I want people to be engaged. I want people, I, I try to operate with a, a pseudo really flat structure. So I'll sit in with my people. I, I, I don't like sitting away um, from them. I would, I want everybody to come to me from an analyst through to a deputy. I want everyone to come to me if they need me. Um, but hopefully by the, by putting together a high performing team, they should be able to resolve most issues themselves. What I've always tried to do as well is implement best systems. So you actually get the systems to do the grunt work and you have highly skilled people that can think strategically and make very good risk management decisions. And you work yourself out of a job in a way, in a good way, you know, because as you say, they're taking on the responsibility whilst you, you know, take it forward sort of thing. Well, you, I think that the key to, to being a good treasurer is being able to act as that sponge between the board um, and the executives and the rest of the team. Uh, you know, in my experience, boards can be up and down in their behaviors, but I don't find that treasury teams necessarily respond that well to being shouted at. Yeah. You sometimes have to take the, uh, you have to take the roof from a book and then it just looks smooth and a, and a nice, easy transition and message spread into the rest of the team. Yeah. And then, you know, you were nearly four years at Chartercore before you made a move. You know, why, you know, why move on from there? Very successful. You, you know, head of treasury, really enjoying it. Great team. You know, what happened next? Um, the, the, the change had stopped. Um, we, we'd just been through an IPO process. Um, so the treasury doesn't take a back seat in that instance, but we weren't looking to do anything new. Uh, because we needed to be stable. We need to manage the risks within corridors. And so we had full-time jobs doing that. Uh, and the attitude in a way became a bit stuck in that they didn't then want to push on and do some of the other things that, you know, I thought at that point needed to be done. Yeah. I'd also always had a burning desire to maybe even try a, a corporate non-bank environment. Yeah. Uh, and the opportunity came up at Lending Best and I took it. Well, I was fortunate enough to get it and then, and then took it. And Lend Invest, you can find again. You know. So Lend Invest is very interesting. It's a fintech company, adding tech uh, company. So it's a, it's a mortgage lending platform uh, where you, it's not peer to peer. It's where uh, borrowers and investors uh, have a ability to match funds against each other, although it's within a fund structure on the platform. Sure. They also have more traditional funding lines given through banks. Um, but what they're developing is a very clever technological platform that allows them to intermediate the market in a different way, the lending market, mortgage lending market in a different way. Um, but when I joined, uh, it, it became apparent that the close enough to a billion pounds of lending as well, uh, but through no centralized treasury function. So they needed someone to come in, have a look what was there, uh, which wasn't as easy as it, as it sounds, and then form a treasury function and then pull the bits 
that are being done elsewhere in the organization to centralize a lot of the tasks. And that ranged from um, actually hedging uh, deals or hedging uh, the lending that's going on through an interest rate risk perspective through funding payments and getting a structured method of funding loans and as they're going out the door, inserting timescales, et cetera, and SLAs for the rest of the business. Um, so it, it was interesting. I, yeah, I enjoyed my time there. Uh, I wasn't there that long, but it was a period where we got a new CFO. And we started to build out a lot more technology in terms of uh, where loans are sitting and recording which funding line is owning loans. And moved a lot more away from Excel into systems-based approach. Um, and, yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, it's just that uh, the opportunity at Belmont Green came along and it appealed to me uh, a lot more. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons helping child courts and their bank, and I wanted to apply them again uh, and try to avoid the mistakes we made the first time around. That's 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 again referring to you know you know Belmont you know someone walks in you know you look up some of the stuff on the web and everything else but if you know explain it in your words so Belmont Green are a mortgage lender a specialist mortgage lender so we lend into the buyer to let and the uh, owner occupied sector but it's people that you know, won't trust necessary straight through on a side streets. Uh, lenders criteria, right. so it needs a bit more of a manual underwrite. People need to look at it, need to understand chasing better. So it's instead of a computer says no uh, environment, we have people looking at chases and making a an informed credit decision in line with credit policies that we've got in place. At the moment, we're funded by the wholesale markets, okay. um, so we're a non-bank uh, lender, and then uh, yeah, within the yeah. Hopefully within the future, we will be moving to a more diversified funding base, you know, hopefully across um, deposits, hopefully uh, wholesale funding and any other uh, access and channels that we can find where we can raise again, specialist liabilities that we can deploy into more specialist areas of lending. And what was it like going in, you know, you've, you've obviously enjoyed this niche banking startup sector. What is it that? You know, obviously there's a buzz you must get out of it or, you know, why, why, why bother again? You know, you're doing it again and, you know, coming in and it's brand new, it's fresh. It, you know, do you just, you know, is that the thing for you or what? Yeah, well, I won't lie. It's going to be brutal again. Um, but I quite enjoy that. It is, you can see your major differences nearly every single day. You're, you don't have any day that's the same. You get to find talent, you get to employ talent, and you get to build that talent. And I think some of the the positives that I've taken from my career is whenever I've moved on, the majority of my team have always wanted to come with me or follow me. Um, and I like that. I like that sense of camaraderie that you can get in a smaller institution. Um, but yes, yeah, you, you also have to accept the work with the smooth, you can't hide as much in a smaller institution as well. So you, yeah, you get, you get back what you put in. And if you can implement something very sensibly, you can bring boards, 
execs up the learning curve to the right level, then you get, you know, you get the pats on the back, you know, and everyone every now and again likes to get at least one pat on the back, which, you know, which that's, that's the sort of nature of the beast within, especially the small bank or small institution, corporate, startup, treasury environment. And you, you say you talk there about recruitment, obviously on the, as you hear before, that you're on the podcast hosted by the Treasury Recruitment Company. What's your ethos around, what are you looking for when you recruit? You know, where are you looking, is it, right, you know, I've got a CV, it's right, the qualif- qualifications, number one, or what have they done, or what are the different, you know, things that jump out of you? I may sound a little bit uh, out of order here, but I, I don't put much stock by qualifications. Um, I find in the startup environment, the qualifications can actually hinder your thinking process. Okay. Because it feels sometimes like they become very blinkered in their approach that it has to be like textbook said. Yeah, that's not true. That's not how it works out sometimes. And sometimes you might find that you have to do something outside of your remit. Think you're finished on to. Yeah. Yeah. And I generally, uh, you have to review the CV. There has to be the relevant skills uh, in there. But what I enjoy more or, or find more stock by, especially in the startup area, is their personality. Can they handle the change? Because you can have someone that is brilliant on a CV. They can do absolutely everything. You put them into somewhere where they can't just get the date delivered to them and they just put it into a spreadsheet and then they can compute it, but they actually have to go out, find the data, meet the right person in the institution, get their own report built before they can even get to the part of calculating it in the spreadsheet. They, they just melt all the way. Without giving you people with. Without giving too many interview tips, how do you assess that, uh, you know, from someone's, you know, okay, you've got the CV, you've got them in front of you, but what are you using it? You know, are you then just having conversations with them or are there, what evidence are you basing on? What, what sort of, you know, how do you go through it? Is it out over a coffee or how do you do it? Exactly that. I'm, I prefer not to do a formal interview in the first instance, but more of a sit around the table and have a chat. Uh, our office is in the shard, so. We are quite lucky to have a, a nice biscuit to sip and it sort of relaxes people a bit. Um, and the most expensive coffee. Yeah, uh, for someone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, um, what we actually, you know, what I actually do is take them through, you know, just see how would you do this? Like, have you ever thought about this sort of thing before? And have you had it? No, the question but, that you asked on about how do you calculate interest rate rates for? How have you yeah. calculated liquidity report? It's more around, did you, have you ever had a trouble getting your data for your reports and let, let the person you talk me through it. And, and you, yeah, yeah, I'd, again, it's just my opinion, but I think you can form that view quite quickly. And I think in a small team, you need, in a larger team, you can take the skill set. Yeah. You don't necessarily all have to get on in a smaller team. Personality is key because yeah. if you don't all get on, it becomes incredibly difficult to get anything done. But also that interviewing style is more evidence-based slash scenario-based, you know, interviewing as we've, we've called it, where you're actually, you know, it, it's taking it 
further on from, you know, tell us about how you dealt with a difficult person is like, right, you dealt with a difficult person, but what happened next? Or then how did you deal with it? Sort of thing is that much, you know, it's actually, you know, the reaction and, you know, as you're saying, if you're doing it in a more informal sense, although it's not informal for those of you who are out there, you know, guys, it is an interview. Do you remember that? But actually it sounds like you, you can then get that much more sort of from the people as well. Yeah, well, I always think people have hours and hours and hours to write their CV. Yeah. And you know, they're going to give you the most perfect view of them ever. If you can get people thinking off the cook in your first 20 minutes of chatting to them, you actually get to see how they behave in a changing environment. Can they actually cope with randomness? Uh, can they cope with not, in, yeah, not interrogation-style questioning, but rapid questioning, which all of which you are going to get in the environments I've worked in the last uh, eight, nine years. Yeah. And if you look back over your perfect CV, Eddie, um, and just doing that, you know, just putting that, turning around 180, you know, what things would you have changed or, you know, not necessarily what mistakes, but what sort of things, okay, I love doing that. Or, you know, if I was recommending this, someone walks in and says, oh, I'd like to be, follow your career path, you know, they're very junior or some of that. What recommendations would you give to those guys? I'm, I'm not one for believing in having regrets. Everything that I did, I, I've always chosen on an almost good feel for the roles that I've taken. Yeah. Not all of them have worked out. Um, you know, Habib Bank probably wasn't the best one for me, um, but that wasn't to do with the bank. It was just an, uh, yeah, an individual feel. Yeah. I had as a person. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but what I, I did, uh, and I've always done is gone into everything with my eyes open. Um, and sometimes opportunities have arisen where other people go, not, I don't, I don't think that that's really right right now. So for instance, I, um, joined Charles of courts when I had two really small kids and that was a business that could either flourish or eventually go worse. So it was, uh, yeah, it was probably a risk, but at the same time, I felt it was a risk that was worth taking the aggression of my career. And it was interesting work. Yeah. I think as long as you find the work interesting, you'll enjoy going to work. If you enjoy going to work, that generally means the business is going to succeed. And you talked there about, you know, sort of, uh, you, you talked earlier rather about sort of systems and you see the, the industry developing. What are you seeing? You know, we're, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming at you guys and I'm a board of talking at various conferences about, uh, you know, AI and automation. You know, that's always going to take out routine. We know this, all right, get over it. It's more, what are you seeing sort of coming down the line that's going to help yourself as a treasurer or, you know, what, what, what are you thinking about for the future as you progress? Well, I'm going to sound a bit like a Philistine, but I, I'm not <laughs> all sold on AI yet for, um, <laughs> that's treasury. Right. I like that. um, but you know, I think there's, um, if machine learning will help. So cash flow planning in, you know, clearly there's going to be an element that it can start to help. Um, there's risk management, you know, we've already got systems out there that can calculate and then essentially tell you what's hedging to put in place. Yeah. There are plenty of, um, very, um, systems now for, you know, 
comparisons on FX prices, bond prices, whatever it may be, you know, what, you know, whatever we're products we're working within, within the treasury. And it may just be in, in my sort of, my small, smaller institution world, but that actual um, base time, um, catching up time, going to lunch, going for dinner with uh, brokers, uh, some of the investment banks, some of the other you know, lawyers and, and people that are in the wider treasury family, they, without that and that little insight, those little bits of knowledge that you're not picking up elsewhere, your wider network, you know, so staying in contact with ex-colleagues, um, always managing to keep up time for meeting the people that you used to deal with, sort of thing. You know, I, you know, I think sometimes treasurers can be a, a CFO's worst nightmare. It's they're a very analytics driven yeah. and they have to have everything on a spreadsheet because, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that 75% of what we do is a science, but then 25% is an art. Uh, and that, you know, it's just a good feel sometimes. It's like, you can see the macro and economic situation and it's looking like a certain way and rates should move a certain way. But you sometimes just get a sense that actually, I don't think it's going to play out like that. Yeah. And you might take a, a, you know, a contrarian view to, to, to the market, but your AI, unless you can program it to be that clever and have good feel, then you, I don't think you, you know, that's where I still think there is a human element to treasury that would Trust always see that. Trust your instincts and your gut sort of thing. Yeah. So someone. You know, to sort of wrap up today and just, you know, look to the future again, someone looks back at your sort of your LinkedIn profile and, and that's one of the things we would say is to, you know, connect with Eddie. I checked with him before the show that it's a good way to connect, you know, look at his background and stuff like that. We'll put the link on the show notes as well. But if someone does look over your career and they say, actually, that's what I want to do, what advice are you going to give to that person, you know, or what, you know, to people out there, what are your overall thoughts, I think. It's a good question. Um, I think overall that my, my career, again, like I said, I've been in the treasury, uh, and I've never shut any door. If someone's given me an opportunity to learn, I'll grasp it with both hands. And through doing that, you get the reputation for being able to handle change, you know, being solid, being dependable. And being able to deliver the results that people want to see, you know, some of the processes of uh, institutions through have been pretty complex. I mean, I've not had a huge amount of support throughout the institution because there's not been that understanding. So there's good to an which actually implementing and bringing people along. And I think if you can be um, very much a people person, I think I said it earlier, I'd rather always be, um, employing people who are far more skilled than I am in their specialist areas than having to be the most knowledgeable person about every single thing in my treasury. I think the treasury is definitely one of the areas where the sum, the sum is greater than the parts. And if you get the parts right, then you can deliver a, a, a great function, a very efficient function, a function that people actually within the rest of the organization don't mind doing business with. Because essentially we are, you know, wherever you work, you're always probably the gatekeeper to the, to the purse. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've built my 
career and trying to have yes as my first instinct to a, to a question, but, and I'll only ever turn it down if I find there's no avenue for me to manage the risk. Amazing. Wow, that was a revisit to a blast from the past. So that was January 2019 that I last spoke to Eddie. I've spoken to him since, but that's when we did it on the podcast. At the time, he was the director of treasure at Belmont Green. Times have moved on. A couple of things in between, you know, just a pandemic. But since then, Eddie's moved roles. I'm going to get him to explain it. We're going to talk now for the next 15, 20 minutes, catch up with Eddie and his story. A lot of stuff has changed, which is great. And then he's going to give us some final takeaways. So, Eddie, we pick up your story, well, three years later, mental. Over to you, sir. What, what, what's gone on since we last spoke? As you said, there's a, a lot has gone on, not just for me, but worldwide as well. Lots of challenges, lots of exciting things, lots of opportunities. But currently I am the treasurer at, in the UK's newest bank, GB Bank. It's a bank that's focusing on SME property developers and supporting them throughout their journey and their different products that they require in different life stages or life cycles of projects that they're doing. Brings lots of different challenges, lots of different areas for us to explore as we move forward as well into this sort of new world and facing into a recession. But, you know, the, the story very simply was that the move from a, a non-bank lender into a bank seemed a sensible one to me. Felt like a great opportunity to once again set up another treasury. Thankfully, I've got a great team around me within the bank. So, yeah, we've moved it forward. We got through all the way through the regulatory process. We've got a very solid cornerstone investor. And yet we're, we're now fully functioning. We're taking retail savings. We are getting money out the door or loans and, 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 and supporting that developed sectors, hoping and wanting and, and really striving to help build communities with a wider, a wider focus and a bit of a social purpose as well. We don't just want to build luxury executive homes. We're looking to support green building, eco projects, affordable housing, social housing, you know, the wider remit so that can actually really support the entire public as a wider, as a wider sense. Um, and that's what really pulled me to the role. It's, you know, banking with a purpose, which I think is going to become a lot more prevalent in our society. I think businesses with purpose, businesses that support and advertise to the wider world what needs to be done in order to look after the wider world, not greenwashing, but actually doing the doing rather than just talking the talk. We're going to start flourishing and, and being where, where we need to be. Yeah, we need to all get behind them and, and, and move forward at pace. And without being too controversial, you and I were just talking before already, and we both noticed that, and again, I was going to say about doing a post during pandemic and, and various, and as we came out of it, we've seen a lot of people sort of promoted from within and sometimes not over promoted, but promoted to a level where in, you know, easier times and calmer times when you're just getting on doing the job, even during pandemic, you know, a lot of things, stuff was quieter. You know, there were, yes, there were demands on you and everything else, but actually we've come out of this and then we, and then we're into challenging times globally and stuff. And I was talking at the Dublin treasurer's conference in Ireland just recently. And again, we were exploring that, and, you know, there were lots of different things. There was working remotely on people's minds, but also the, the scale of 
the challenges that people are facing. How are you guys you know, facing that yourselves? And you and I talked about, and maybe broaden that, you had comments about that as well, didn't you? Not wanting to be outspoken or, or, or too controversial, but there are plenty of roles within Treasury that have been formed and people's skill sets have been built during a benign market environment. Been lots of cheap money, everything moves one way. It's been relatively simple to plan and understand what's going to happen. Now, just going through a financial planning exercise, we, during that sort of eight week period, we, we managed to have, I think, three changes of government, three chancellors and a massively different economic outlook from when we probably started that process. And it's that you can only really deal with those things through the experience. Shouldn't be too controversial to say that actually you can't just buy that experience that you have to have lived it. You have to have been through it. You have to have had a good grounding and learning in that. So, you know, I was way back when in my career was at Alliance and Leicester, when we went through the global financial crisis, that was the experience gained, you know, a rapidly changing environment within the market, rapidly changing liquidity situation, rapidly changing capital situation from a banking perspective. So, and you learn to work within those remits, you learn to work to pace, you learn to work to pace with accuracy and you learn along the way, you just learn different techniques or things that a book can't teach you. You know, they, they are inbuilt and actually, you know, a lot of them had been uh, buried a long way down into the ground and, and actually only come to resurface when, when these things erupt. It's a bit like a volcano. Your knowledge has to erupt as the, uh, you know, as the event occurs. So it's been crazy. There's been a lot of throughout the market, there's been panic that some treasury functions maybe lacked the relevant experience, not skills, but just the relevant experience. It was almost an age thing. You, you just, unfortunately, you can't speed up time or slow down time. Time is just time. And if you're under the age of probably 35, then you've just won't have seen this type of market condition. Mm. Like, like, oh, so you're you know. So, so you can't actually, it's not back to the future. You can't jump in the car and get back to the time to live through it. And I think that now is a big thing. Yeah. Again, Eddie and I were just talking before the show and, you know, we, we get on very well. We've been mates for a number of years, but you talked about a sort of transition a little bit for yourself as well with this move and, and everything else. But also personally, you know, we were just talking about the fact that I, I try and avoid drinking during the week because, you know, business is great. Business is really busy. And it's something that I've looked to do and then, you know, not failed during weeks, you know, this week I've been at two conferences, one of our own treasury career corner live, which we'll put a link to in the show notes. We've done the Irish association. So a couple of nights, but I've had to pace myself a little bit, you know, I'm not, you know, no spring chicken anymore, but Eddie, you've, you've also embraced that a little bit. And I, I wanted to sort of bring that onto the show because I think I wasn't going to do it. And then I thought, do you know what? I think actually for some of the listeners, it'll be an interesting one because we're not extolling the virtues. So, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, one year this and one day, you know, and I'm thinking it's not like that, but can you maybe just, if you feel comfortable, we'll just discuss what you've done to, you know, make some other changes, if that's the right way to put it. More than happy to talk about it, but don't want to come across again. It's also not preaching. Don't worry. We're just talking about it. We're mates. I just figured around seven months ago, I wasn't getting a hundred percent performance and I could actually get more out of myself. So 
on a bit of a whim, decided that I was going to just stop drinking for a little while. And then it's just carried on for the seven months, you know, and I, and I look now and I see what's happened. And, and, and during that time, I've got a lot physically fitter. How does that affect my work? Well, it means that I can now work for longer or more intense bursts. I can get more done. My mental clarity is better. My, just my decision in my personality, just the, the, the way and the approach remaining calmer in situations. It's been brilliant over this last sort of volatile period, you know, because you can cut through a lot of things and you're not, they're just slightly fuzzy. And I think actually within treasury and, and especially the old school treasury working in the city, that there was a drinking culture and I think it was expected of you and I, you know, and it's stepping away and, and being prepared to be yourself and say, no, I'm, I'm fine and I'm, and I'm, I'm done it. Actually that then build your own confidence and self-confidence being around. And I think you get to you move into being trusted area. And I think, yeah, I'm not saying that you should or you shouldn't, you know, it's just, uh, for me, it seems to have worked out really well. Lots of positive things are happening. Things are moving forward at pace and it's just given me the, the ability and the clarity to, to keep pushing forward and striving. And, you know, you know that's why I want to, to, to make GB bank a, a huge success. I'm sure we will be, but it's probably came across a bit preachy it's not supposed to yeah i don't think you do and i think i think for the listeners today you know i met so many of the podcast listeners last night so a big shout out to you guys if you're listening you were at the event and things like that but we not only recorded it so it'll come up as a podcast uh, yeah we were very focused on you know it's obviously very work related we only an hour on stage with these amazing guests but then afterwards talking to people and there was you know, a couple of you know, Rajiv, he was there and he was sort of saying, oh, I've listened to you for the best. Another guy was saying, oh, I listened to you whilst I do my workout. It's a great way to, a bit like you in the morning, Eddie, you know, you're doing your workout and stuff. But he said, oh yeah, I listen to you when I'm pressing my weights up in my loft. And I'm like, right, okay, bloody hell. And it was, it was just really touching that, you know, people have integrated my podcast into their lives. You know, I listen to things like, you know, I've got my first million. I really love that show. And there's a couple of others that I'd listen to whilst I am swimming, you know, cause I've got roof AirPods and, but it, I think it's interesting. This is where, you know, podcasts can go. And I don't, you, you know, on the podcast show, a lot of the time I'm just spending my time interviewing you about your treasury career, but I think it's then about the next stage. And I think this is exactly why we do the show. So it's like, where do you see it sort of say about it, you know, GB bank developing, where's your, also your, you know, you're doing bigger within treasury, weren't you? So we were just talking about the wider remit of treasury per se itself and how you've embraced that. It sounds like you're really, really enjoying it. You know, it's the next level, if you like, is that the right way to describe it? That's exactly it. And I think things that have, have come across my desk are looking at things like social impact strategy, ESG, sort of one and the same, equity raise it, looking at just helping elsewhere around the business, being trusted and, and, and asked for opinion. This is where qualifications are good because they give you the technical skills, but actually life experience gives you the ability to work around the business. And I think across the remit, that's where it's everybody who's listening. If anyone wants to reach out, reach out. I'm more than happy to have a chat, have a, have a guide through. And, you know, I think that we never seem particularly great in treasury at sort of supporting each other through difficult transitions, but I, again, like I say, I'm more than happy to have a chat with anyone. You drop me a LinkedIn or, or, or go through Michael or whatever, but the remit of treasury is growing. 
and it will grow. Why would it continue to grow? Because we end up being sat in the middle of every organization and every organization is going to go through a massive period of change. I don't know whether we realize it or not yet, but the world is changing. We are highly likely to go into a hyper growth scenario once inflation and, and, and everything is under control. Whether that be, we go to the trustonomics, whether that Rishi Sunak and, and Jeremy Hunt have a different way of doing it. But, you know, I think that's where we'll get to. And we, we've got to look out and figure out where these green swans, which is a, a, an amazing book that I'm reading at the minute, these green swans are going to come from and actually embrace them and live with them. And when you read the book or, or you, you see the wider remit, everything within it touches treasury. Yeah. We, we generally, we speak to the outside world in terms of the wholesale markets. We actually speak to the customer facing teams. We, we, we look back into the business and pull information from everywhere. We're in a key spot here to spot trends, spot movements, and actually help and advise and work alongside CFOs, CEOs to move the, the business within the direction that it needs to go to grow and, and, and grow and build as, as we move forward. Well, I think also you, you just talked about the, you know, the remit of treasury expanding and it was like I set him up, but I, you know, thank you, Eddie. We've got a number of other shows just like this, where we're also interviewing or re-catching up with treasurers over the, you know, it's been going four and a half years. So we're going back to some of the early episodes and actually the treasurers then they're either you know, maybe some are still in treasury, but a lot of them have now springboarded into wider CFO roles or different positions. We've got some of those. So if you are listening today, think, oh yeah, actually make sure I listen to the next ones. Because I think treasury more so, exactly as you said there, it prepares you for that CFO ship. And I think we talked about it that 10 years ago, you know, treasury was still, it's slightly ivory towered, you know, very specialist and everything else. Now I've seen it go the other way sort of thing. And it's, getting involved with the business, certainly over the pandemic and everything else. But you, you've seen that as well. Just we'll, we'll touch on that as we nearly wrap up the show and give you that. And then I'll give you a closing words, but you mentioned that as well. You see it as a great grounding for a CFO ship type thing. Would that be right? A hundred percent. We are privileged in the positions that we sit in. So we can identify, like I say, these trends, we can think strategically and commercially. You don't need to be a technical accountant to be a CFO. That was a thing. And everyone hung their hats on these qualifications and accreditations. Everyone's probably picking up. I don't. And I think that because of that wider remit and those wide eyes, and you're looking at everything that's going on, that sets you up to be a strategic leader. And CFOs are growing into being strategic leaders rather than very technical people. And that only opens the playing field more. And hopefully as we move through time, more and more boards recognize that fact and actually start to look into the treasury world for, for their CFOs. And I think something that, that probably needs to come eventually is that there's a lot more, you know, treasuries, we become specific within the industries with which we work and actually, yeah, we should probably look to move around outside of those industries so that we spread the skills even further. It's been great talking to Eddie once again. He gave me loads of time before. Fantastic. Given me, again, been very generous with his time today. As we wrap up today's show, the next lessons, the next takeaways of people that have already had some from the previous episode and 
you know, we'll include those in the show notes. But as we move forward, what would you say next? What's the final takeaway for today's updated show, if you like, Eddie? Over to you. Well, it's a good one. My real takeaway for anyone within treasuries just starting out or, or very experienced is never stop learning. Always reach out, always speak to people, always. If you don't know something, put your hand up and ask. Especially in, the, in these times, there's, there's not loads and loads of people around that have got the experience at the minute, but actually take the time to, to buy them a coffee or, or get them to buy you a coffee even better. Just absorb the stories. You know, ask what would you do in this situation? What would you do in that situation? Because I think over, over the next two years, three years even, you know, the experience and knowledge of scenarios is going to be so much more beneficial to you as a person and give you a great springboard if you can talk about it in, in any process that you're going through. Thank you, Eddie. You've been an absolute superstar. I can't wait to see you. I would have said for a beer, but obviously we'll have a nice coffee. Nice flat white when I next see you. And I know that exactly as you said, he's very open to connecting with you guys. So we'll put Eddie's details again in the show notes. So do connect. He's a great guy to have in your network and he's always there to help. So, mate, thank you very much for your time today. You've been a superstar as always. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.